To Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the legendary Rivers McCown, the big man himself, Tim. How are you guys doing tonight? We lived. <laughs> uh, so for tonight's show, we're going to discuss the fact that the Texans hired jail manager Nick Casario. Um, the kind of weird thing going on to Sean Watson, his disgruntlement, the Nick Casario extravaganza today as they you know, showed him off um, out there in front of the media. And then where Houston's going to kind of go from from here with their head coaching search and everything else as well, too. Um, so, Rivers, before we start talking about today's press conference, what do you think about the Nick Casario hire specifically? And uh, do you have any understanding why they had such bloodlust to get him to Houston? Or is it just as simple as, yeah, Jack Easterby? I mean, when you look at the universe of people that could uh, get Jack Easterby involved and uh, not get him fired, I mean, it's a pretty small universe, right? So once that was kind of decided, I think, you know, pretty pretty much downhill from there, right? What about you, Tim? What do you think about the whole thing? You know, I, I think I think that there's a lot to uh, to be said for what Rivers just said, which is uh, if, if you're looking at it as cynically and frankly, probably as realistically as possible. Uh, I, I've, I think Rivers wrote this and I've seen a bunch of other people kind of th- the same um, the same idea of there is exactly one person that the Texans could have hired that wouldn't have insisted that Jack Easterby be fired. And that's who they hired. So I think it's pretty fair to look at it. I, I might even go a little bit more. Uh, sort of inertia-based, and just go, hey, look, this is who Cal wanted a year and a half ago. Uh, that guy was now available without having to worry about uh, tampering charges being filed against you. So uh, complete lack of creativity. This is who they wanted a year and a half ago. Why not hire him now that he's available? And despite the horrible optics of the situation, I imagine that Cal feels like he got his guy, albeit a year and a half later than he wanted to. And uh, we'll go off that too, Tim. Like, do you think the salary that he got, the $6 million a year, the six-year <laughs> contract, do you think that's part of it too, that like that's what it took for Casario to come to Houston and be part of this uh, circus going on? Or just like, you know, uh, Cal, this is how much I trust you and how badly I want you to be here. How do you make, a, uh, how do you make up the contract and the money he received? It's funny that you say that because I think one of the things that sort of has been touched on is that everybody, that, that both Easterby and Casario and, Several other people, potentially coach candidates, have the same agent. Uh, so I imagine it's a lot of, well, if you really want my guy, this is what you need to pay. And, and Cal, for his, for his uh, part, may well have been terrified that he was going to lose this guy he wanted a year and a half ago. So there wasn't a number that they could get that he could give that he wasn't going to pay. I think anybody probably worth their salt negotiating-wise in no way makes a first-time general manager one of the three highest paid in the league. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that there's anything that we've seen during Cal McNair's brief stewardship of the team that would make you think he's some sort of shrewd or master negotiator. 
And when you factor in that if Jack Easterby was pulling the strings to say this is who should be the guy, it may well have been as simple as Jack saying, hey, we got to pay him what he wants with the understanding that Jack's agent is also Nick's agent. So everybody benefits except potentially Cal, and he may not understand that he's the one that they're laughing at. So the scuttlebutt that I've heard actually is that uh, Jack Easterby negotiated this contract himself. I've heard this from Mike Pierre for people now. So <laughs> like when you when you really think about Jack Easterby's contract uh, contract extension uh, history, for lack of a better word, uh, not great. <laughs> well, and I feel like I know that I've read or heard somewhere that Jack is allegedly making three million dollars a year. Am I nuts to say that, or have you guys read or heard the same thing? I feel like I've seen somewhere that he has like a six-year deal. I, I think that's right, and I feel like I've read that it was $3 million a year. I, yeah. I, I'm not making that number up. So right. if, if that's the case, <laughs> that would actually be even more sort of uh, cosmic justice if the one guy that everyone thinks should be gone is the one negotiating to make sure that the one guy who won't make him leave is hired and therefore paid exorbitantly for the privilege. Yeah, I, before we started doing this, I was going to like take the path of like, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Nick Casario. Like, I don't know if he's going to be good or bad. Like, I don't know much from here, but um, five minutes in, I already, my tongue's bleeding just from <laughs> chewing on it here and hearing these five minutes of conversation so far already. But here, here's the really, I mean, really, and here's the crappy part. Like, Nick Casario, objectively, is a great general manager candidate. He has great experience across the board. There's not a whole lot of GM candidates that have also coached that I think have the gauntlet of experience that he does. He's run the gamut. There's a lot to be said for all the things he brings to the table. If not for Jack Easterby and or this Patriots connection that Texans fans are so upset and sick about hearing – I think that we would be looking at this saying, man, this is a great hire. 31 um, other teams. 31 other teams hire him. Everybody's fine with it. Everybody is happy. Uh-huh. You know, this guy totally finally right. is going to get a chance after so many years. Totally Texans right. Texans hire him. Over. Totally right. Every, I mean, again, if not – and I'll, go even, I'll even go one step further. If Jack Easterby was not still employed by the Texans, I think that many of us, the majority of us probably – put aside the reservations about the Patriots stink and say, ah, you know, he's done so much. He comes from winning. Awards. I think that the majority of us are still okay with it. If not for the Easterby connection, unfortunately, because of the Easterby connection, because of the Patriots history and because of how both those things have bitten the Texans in the ass the last year and a half, no one's going to be able to give Casario a fair shake coming into it. Now, I don't think that it's a situation where he's beyond the pale and there's nothing he can do to, to, get people in his corner. But I do think that he's coming into a situation that people are inherently skeptical of him before he ever does a thing, which wouldn't be the case if not for these two things that Texans fans are frankly just so freaking tired of. Well, so Rivers, I know you kind of go off of what Tim said. Are there anything specifically you can point to about Nick Casario being actually being able to be a competent or good general manager in Houston? Um, I mean, absolutely. You've got all this experience of uh, Bill Belichick, of course. Um, the Patriots have a deep history of one of the things that I, I've been campaigning for a lot is making sure that you trade down a lot because this team is bereft of assets. It needs to accumulate as many as it can. I think that's a great fit for where this roster and this uh, 
our draft draft capital situation is at. I'll put it that way. Um, I don't think that he's been out of his depth in any real way. I think that they trade for players that uh, immediately start. That's a good thing as well. Um, obviously, would it be would it be nice if we knew that he could do all these things about Bill Belichick? Of course. But I mean, as far as general managers go, there's not a lot of second time general managers. It's generally a job where you get one chance and then you're done. It's taken Rick Smith like a, a million years to get back into circulation. So I think as far as GM prospects go, as Tim said, I think he's pretty good. It's just the Easter meet thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes I sense. Mean, objectively, objectively, he's an awesome hire. Like, again, looking at his history and everything he's done, I don't know that there's much more you could ask for. Like River said, these guys generally don't get more than one shot at it. You're not getting Ozzie Newsome. Ron Wolf's not coming out of retirement to come back for the Texans. Objectively, this is a great hire looking at purely Nick Casario's resume and what he's done. The problem is all the other stuff that inherently taints it to where Texans fans are just disgusted with it purely because of all the connections to it that go beyond anything Casario can control. Yeah, and like the way I've kind of looked at the hiring is that kind of that way, like everything points to him being, you know, potentially being a good one. His experience, and like River said, I do like the fact that, you know, they trade down as much as they do in New England. The only really thing I don't like about the Patriots drafts is how much they like drafting running backs. And as long as they don't draft a running back in the second round, like things should work out, I think, pretty well from from that perspective of it. Uh, but like that, that being said, like I'm just kind of like in a neutral aspect of it where, you know, whatever, whatever happens, happens, but I don't really know one way or the other. Like I'm kind of open to see what occurs, but yeah, like the optics of it are kind of insane and watching, you know, the Texans Twitter internet, um, just like melt down with the Casero hiring has been, I think absolutely embarrassing and absolutely ridiculous and stupefying. And uh, I don't know what's in the, I think it's the floor and the water. I don't know what it is that's doing it to them. But uh, just like the reaction has been the same because we don't know if Casario is going to be good or not. We have no clue or not. I understand the East 3 thing's bad, but it's like it depends on whatever role or stuff he has. You don't really know um, from that point on. But like, I don't know. It's be interesting to see how it kind of plays out as soon as like you see what he does with J.J. Watt, like kind of immediately and where they go at the head coaching hire immediately too. I mean, part of it is this fan base is just so demoralized after what's happened for the last year and a half that, I mean – there is not another franchise that has put together the string of terrible decisions that the Texans have in the last 18 months. I mean, you, it, it really is in terms of allowing your coach to become the general manager, more or less by default, because you botched the previous general manager hire, the trades that have been made, the decisions that have been made, the contracts that have been handed out. I mean, it's just everyone is so upset with how things have gone that I think we've all skewed so negative now that it's natural for everyone to look at it and go, man, we're screwed again because the Texans at this point do not deserve the benefit of the doubt. There is nothing that they have done in the last 18 months, absent maybe getting Deshaun Watson extended, that you could point to and say that was a sound business decision. And because of that, everyone's naturally skeptical. It's amazing that we had a 42-minute press conference and (laughs) the DeAndre Hopkins trade was broached one time in one question that took like 45 seconds and had no chance of ever being talked about at all. Like that is how far gone 
on that trade is in our conscious. We've already like chalked that one up as something we can't even talk about anymore because new terrible things keep happening every day. <laughs> what a wonderful life this is. Yeah, we can't we can't even enjoy the the most recent terrible thing because there's a new one right around the corner. But I think what's kind of funny too about the reaction to the Casero hiring is I think a lot of these people are the same ones who you will know, argue with us on the internet about the Larry Tunsil trade being good about DeAndre Hopkins being traded, maybe actually not being that bad, about David Johnson being good, um, about like just all these kind of like really dumb things that have been occurring. And then now here we are, and now it's like a complete meltdown. It's like, well, yeah, like all this stuff is, this isn't like a, a new thing that Texans are dumb. They've been dumb for the last three or four years, you know? And it's just like everything, every decision just has been more confoundingly dumb or on top of the previous one, you know? And so hopefully the Casero hiring kind of stops that and puts it into the bleeding uh, but we'll just have to kind of sit around, wait, and see what happens with the head coaching hire and everything else from there, too. I mean, I, I think so much of that is just the nature of fandom. Like, you, you have your initial sort of visceral reaction to it, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, the Tunsil trade, all those things. You have your initial reaction to it, and then you start to rationalize because that's the nature of fandom to where you bargaining. go, oh, maybe, yeah, bargaining, <laughs> yeah, maybe this will work out. I can figure out a way that I can, I can look at it and sort of turn the cube to where it doesn't look as dark. And Listen, maybe David Johnson's work, yeah. last two games were very good, okay? <laughs> right. I mean, he was, you can't deny when he was hitting those holes and they were open. And, and, you know, I wish we hadn't gotten rid of DeAndre Hopkins, but, you know, Brandon Cooks is a pretty good player, and now we've gotten back that second-round pick. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of different ways to sort of make it fit your reality, and I just think that's the nature of fandom. I think objectively when we look at a lot of this stuff, though, like and you take a step back and you kind of let the chips fall where they're going to fall – most of the time, most of the time, not all the time, your initial reaction is probably closer to the truth than, uh, than, than how you rationalize it. When DeAndre Hopkins was traded, we all freaked out because we knew it was a horrendous trade. Then we tried to rationalize it, and, and again, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Oh, Brandon Cooks, if Will Fuller stays healthy, maybe the receivers will be okay. Uh, you know, How much do you need a running back? with the sh- All those sorts of things. Laramie Tunsil, they were so bad at left tackle, now they've got a legitimate top I don't know, eight, maybe a top five left tackle. The price was steep, but they needed to do it because you were going to get Deshaun killed and it, yeah, protecting him was the most important thing. You're just guilty of, ra- and I say you're guilty. I'm guilty of rationalizing all of it. Unfortunately, again, most of the time, your initial reaction when you look at it, there's a reason your initial reaction was what it was. And it's usually because most of the time it's going to be more correct than not. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know the kind of the same thing that kind of happened after Casario's hire was, you know, Kyle McNair told Sean Watson that, you know, we'll take your input for the general manager hiring process, the head coach hiring process. And I guess they had a conversation that he went to Mexico and then they didn't take any of his words at all to heart. And when high Casario, another search that there was a report that the search firm they hired had five candidates. Casario wasn't one of them. And now they have an interview, Eric B or uh, Candace Deshaun Watson one as well too. And so Rivers, we had a question from at confused lefty. And he asked, do you think Watson will, will request a trade in the offseason? Not sure if the rumors about him uh, being hacked off uh, for not consulting the gym appointment are true, but his tweets seem to show he's unhappy. Can't say at this point you can blame him really, though. Do I think that De- Deshaun Watson will ask for a trade? Um, you know, I, before today started, I had a pretty strong conviction that he wouldn't. I didn't really think that this would be a big long-term thing. I thought this was something that would blow over in a couple of days. Um, certainly, Casario, when he spoke to that kind of 
indicating the same sort of thing. Like, you know, we just need to cool down a little bit. Let's, we are hot. The season just ended. Let's, let's take a little break here. But I don't know, you know, after, after hearing Cal speak and (laughs) the magnificent orator that he is, (laughs) I mean, uh, I'm starting to question it myself a little bit. I, I'm, I would I would take it more up to like a a a five percent chance than a one percent chance now. <laughs> yeah, I still can't. I don't know. I could I can imagine where where it can happen, especially after the Hopkins trade. Like I know Tim and I talked about this earlier this week that whenever there's any sort of like report or rumor, there has to be some level of truth to it. And so this Watson stuff, like there's definitely like some frustration there, and how far this frustration goes. Um, you know, who knows? And like, who knows what the head coaching decision is going to be and how that's going to affect this as well, too. Well, you know, I, I think... um, when, when, when you have a general manager who is extremely competent, I think that really helps a lot. <laughs> you know, to, to kind of piggyback on what you guys said, I think Deshaun Watson is pissed. I don't think there's any, I don't think we've, we've, uh, I don't think the die is cast. I don't think we've crossed the Rubicon to where a trade demand is is going to be made. Uh, and I think there's something to be said for sort of the timeliness of the leak of him being unhappy before they hire their head coach mm-hmm. and making sure that he has some, or that at least they reach out to him. You know, the other part of it is you have to look at, at all the different stuff that's coming out now. I know Benjamin Albright said tonight or, or earlier today that the Texans apparently had talked to Watson before they hired Casario, and now Aaron Wilson saying they've reached out for over the course of several days, and Watson hasn't responded to them. Whether this is just sort of a counter to the, the reports from yesterday, I don't know. What I do think, though, is that Nick Casario and the Texans are most assuredly on the clock. And I think that if next year is bad, and, there is, and there's very little chance of hope, or there's nothing that, that Deshaun Watson can look at and say, I feel confident about the situation— I think it is absolutely in play that next offseason he tells them, I'm not going to sign another contract here. What you guys decide to do beyond that is up to you, but understand I'm not going to sign another contract here, and word of me not signing another contract here will get out, so it's probably in your best interest to trade me while you can get the most for me. Mm. I think that we don't have, I don't think that we've got to, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I think there's a lot Nick Casario can do both in how he manages the roster and who he hires as head coach to save that, if not completely cut it off at the pass. But if Deshaun Watson feels hopeless again this time next year, I think that a trade demand is a very, very realistic possibility. I don't think he's going anywhere now. I don't think he will go anywhere now. But I think that if we're in the same spot next year, if if a year from now we're talking about Deshaun Watson wants a trade, that would surprise me not one single bit. Nick Casario's got zero honeymoon period at this point. He's got to go and sell Deshaun Watson on what he plans on doing, and more importantly, who the coach that he hires, how that person is going to get the Texans to where everyone wants to go, most importantly, where Deshaun wants to go. Well, and so, Tim, we had a question from Josh Lara 79 and he asked, what can Casario possibly tell Watson or Watt that could shorten the gap of trust that's going on right now while still having Easter be in the mix, if anything at all? It really depends how big the Easter Bee sit, how big the Easter Bee issue is to Deshaun. The answer may well be nothing. It may well be Deshaun telling Casario and uh, McNair, "Hey, look, if we're going to have any further conversations, they have to start when Jack Easterby is gone." And that should be a no-brainer. Uh, you'd like to think that Cal McNair, when his franchise quarterback said, 
the vice president of football operations needs to go, that Jack, uh, that, that Cal McNair would say, okay, and that's the end of it. But I don't know that, that Cal McNair, frankly, has earned the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Uh, the way you handle Watson and Watt, I think, is completely different because Watson is the future of this franchise. J.J. Watt is the greatest player to ever play for this franchise, but he's also indisputably on the on the back nine of his career. I don't know there's anything you can tell J.J. Watt that's going to make him feel great about next year, which is really the last year that matters for J.J. It's the last year he's under contract here. Uh, I think in terms of Deshaun, it's who's going to be the head coach? What's the plan? What can you do to show Deshaun that this is a place that he should commit to? Uh, and uh, again, I think the the key part of that is going to be who is your head coach hiring? Uh, you know, Rivers, I know you've been a gigantic Joe Brady proponent from the jump. You wrote that excellent breakdown of why you thought he should be the number one candidate. And I don't know. I mean, just sort of by default, it seems like he may well be the guy. Uh, I know that Aaron Wilson tweeted earlier tonight that or I say Aaron Wilson, I don't want to miss I don't want to misattribute it, but I think it was him something to the effect of. Very much in the mix for the job, but he wanted to talk to Deshaun first. I'm curious as to whether if you bring in a young offensive mind like Joe Brady, if that makes Deshaun Watson feel better, I would think it would. It may not be his first choice of Eric Bieniemy, but I'd like to think that that'd be somebody who, who he could get behind and get excited about. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, as far as the head coaching hire goes, like, I don't, I mean, I guess it's kind of like up to what Watson wants and what he doesn't want. Like, and they had that thing today where they interviewed Tim Kelly, and, and I was going to, you asked him, like, is this something that was done because Kelly's like an actual <laughs> player, actual guy to get hired for the job, or is this just done to appease Watson because he, you know, he kind of uh, wanted and, and uh, wanted Kelly to be here on the staff next year in some capacity after, like, being able to craft a pretty good pass game for Watson this season, too. And so, like, I don't know, like, if it's, I'm, I'm fine with Brady. Personally, I would really like to see Brian Dable here. Um, it doesn't seem like Arthur Smith is going to come here, and definitely not Eric Bieniemy. I think Dable would be the best out of, out of those guys. And, like, I like what Brady's done. I just think he needs probably one more year. Um, and I don't really, and like, but young, young hand coaches have worked out previously, like McVay, even if it hasn't so much in Taylor. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly, like, which path they go and what the correct path is. I don't know, but I just think Dable has probably the most, like, copy-and-paste offense for Houston um, compared to, like, some that Brady has done so far. Um, so what do you think, Rivers? I think that Brady will probably be the head coach here. Um, I don't think that's, like, breaking news or anything. Just kind of reading the tea leaves, um, you know, you're seeing – it's kind of interesting because you're seeing, you know – people close to Deshaun were kind of questioning Joe Brady like earlier in the week. And I know that they still need to get like tight, you know, I, I think that that's not really who Deshaun Watson wanted. So that's going to be an inter interesting uh, <coughs> series of interviews. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And like, I, I understand why people are, are gaga for, da for Dable the way they are. Um, I guess for me, it's just, you know, this is more than just a, a one-year league, and Dable's previous offenses were, were pretty bad. <laughs> so that scares me a little bit. And to both your points, I think at this point, Brian Dable is the one guy you cannot hire because of the Patriots connection. Okay. Uh, optics, optics. I think optics at this point are everything. And if you hire Brian Dable... Do you, do think, you think they the, think that's everything, though? <laughs> um, No. 
and that's troubling. <laughs> but, I mean, but but I, I you know I, I I'm probably giving him too much credit. I, this, I guess part of this is when you don't have a PR person, this is probably sometimes the things that happen. Uh, I mean, you think about how upset people are right now about it's Nick Casario. It's just we're re, we're we're running back Patriots South again. And then you go hire a guy who, granted, this was a couple jobs ago, but he's still going to have that Patriots tag associated with him. I think Dable, even though he's eminently qualified for a head coaching job in the NFL, what he's done with Buffalo this year has been incredible. Weston and I have talked about this in terms of how impressed I am with the job he's done with Josh Allen, who I never thought could be the quarterback that he's become. There's a lot of reasons to be high on Brian Dable, but if the Texans hire him, I think there will be even more of a, of a sort of a, a disgust with how this offseason has gone. Uh, Joe, and coming back, you know, Joe Brady, I think, was it, guys, was it, was it uh, Deshaun's quarterback coach? Was it Quincy Avery that tweeted something to the effect of, of, I'm paraphrasing here, but what has Joe Brady done to show that he's ready to be a head coach? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's absolutely going, a part of the reason I think they're reporting that Joe Brady wants to sit down with Deshaun Watson is, it may well be Joe Brady selling Deshaun Watson on why he's ready to be a head coach. Mm-hmm, uh, right. it, it could be that could be the that could frankly be the key interview when it's before it's all said and done. The Texans may well have signed off on it. It may be Deshaun saying, "All right, I'm comfortable with him, or I'm not." That that ultimately makes the decision as to whether Brady's the head coach. I agree with Rivers, though. I think at this point Brady's the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, who knows how that works out? I know I know Rivers and I have talked about this via text months ago. And I, we had both, we were both kind of intrigued by Brady, but I said some of the effect of it's sort of echoing what you said, Weston. I think it's probably a year too early, and being a year too early is not exactly a Texans thing to do. Right. But I, I think at this point, with uh, sort of their lack of other options, either because coaches don't want to interview or be here, or because they have to hone in on an offensive coach that that Deshaun likes, they may well have to take the jump. It was, and and you know Mike Vrabel, that, that, that's I think kind that, of the thing, right? That's kind of the yeah. thing. Like 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 if you can't get uh, who is it, Eberflus in the building? If you can't get me in the building because these guys see what a clown show this has become and the big wall that we're building, <laughs> <laughs> and, brick by brick, brick, brick by brick. brick. And, and Casario is a very big brick in this in this the, wall they're the building. Biggest brick of them all. <laughs> We're going to build a wall, and then we're going to do an ice bucket challenge from the top of the wall. <laughs> and we play golf. It's going to be we play it's, golf it's too. Gonna be, it's going to be huge. Right. <laughs> but, but if you can't get somebody like that in there, and you do want to hire an offensive-minded coach, and you know your options are kind of dwindling, you kind of do need somebody uh, who is a year early. And that might be Brady. I think he'll be fine, actually. But like as far as the leadership aspects of the job that's that's kind of i think where people are most concerned most nervous about him not the actual schematics because i mean to make that that panthers offense top 10 in anything it is a miracle man uh, teddy bridgewater uh, is is whew. careful careful weston will weston will pull a knife on you if you talk shit about bridgewater i don't, Listen, have, I don't have a knife Brid- but bridgewater the prospect Different from Bridgewater, the guy who's playing now, who's injured, he's, and had his knee still and everything else. It's like, but like Bridgewater, <laughs> Bridgewater could like throw the seam down the or throw the vertical down the sideline through like wide open crossing routes, but 
it was everything else that was and he was just like his short term his like short field accuracy was just really wonky this year and he lost a bunch of close games too. Uh, All you gotta do is put Julian Davenport in front of him and it's fine. Hey, better than Trent West, Scott. Better left tackle than Trent did, Scott. Weston, if Bridgewater if Teddy Bridgewater and Josh Allen both needed a kidney, who do you give it to? <laughs> I'm dying. You're putting me in the grave. <laughs> You're giving them both? I'm giving, giving them both, both away. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You're going on dialysis. That's fair. Yeah. All right. <laughs> assume with me you assume with me you only had one kidney to give. I'll you gotta it, pick one. I'll cut it in it. half and they can shoot stem cells. It does not regenerate. One. I'm can... not a doctor, but I don't think that organ regenerates. <laughs> so again, somebody's getting one kidney. Who is it? I guess Allen it'll, or Bridgewater. It'll, you it'll, have to pick. It'll go to Josh just because he's younger and uh, wow, you know there it is. And we, and there he has is. and he has to beat the Colts tomorrow too. He absolutely has to beat the Colts tomorrow. You just did. You just rationalized the Laramie Tunsil trade. Maybe I did. I you just know. said I'm giving I'm giving Josh Allen my kidney because he's younger and he can do more with it. You just rationalized it. That's okay. I'm <laughs> no. not saying you're any different than the rest of us. I'm just glad that that your your Teddy Bridgewater love does have limits, uh, and, and and it's okay. I loved him too. I, I that was who I thought they should have taken with the first pick in 2014. Um, but regardless, uh, um, what what uh what I want to know really is if Joe Brady is the guy. Who is he going to hire as his defensive coordinator? Because I think Weston sort of sort of gave the um, the model, which is Sean McVay. You bring in that young offensive mind, and then he essentially turns the defense over to a Wade Phillips. So if Joe Brady's the guy, who's the defensive coordinator? I have no idea, personally. I mean, yeah, I, I've, I don't, seen, I've seen these stats floating around. I know, like, Texans Thoughts does them or, or somebody like that. Maybe... Maybe a different Texans podcast, but but like, you know, there are no other Texans podcasts except for this one. That's, right? that's what sure. I was going to say. That's you're insulting Weston. You're insulting but, Weston by saying. But yeah, I I I I haven't paid one bit of attention to that. That's way way above my radar right now. Well, I I mean I think I think that we're kind of all of the mind. I mean, do you, do you not do you not think Arthur Smith would be interested in this job? I wish he was. I hope he is. I would hope he is too, but. I think realistically, we have to kind of look at it like uh, uh, he could probably do better. Well, and so that and so I guess like based off that question, Tim, and also the Eberflus thing that happened, like Tim, do you think these coaches not wanting to interview in Houston is this because of the fact that they have a, a terrible roster with Deshaun Watson without a first round pick and a second round pick next year? Didn't have a first round pick the previous year, um, and then having you know being over the cap going the next off season. Or is this just mainly because of the circus that's going on in Houston? Or is it just a combination of the two that makes it such an unattractive job? It's probably a combination of the two, but I think it tilts way more heavily towards the circus aspect. Uh, because, it, if again, it comes back, I, and I know we talked about this earlier, I had said that I thought whoever the new GM is, one of his, one of his conditions should be Jack Easterby is out of the building. If I'm going to take this job, Jack Easterby's out of the building. Well, they hired the one dude who's not going to say that or didn't say that yet. Yeah, uh, I believe so, there's a direct quote about Easterby was, uh, "Daddy loves you lots." <laughs> <laughs> so, so the so the issue becomes uh, if if you're a head coach and, and coaches get are likely to get more shots at a second gig than GMs are. But I think if you're a dude like uh, like Arthur Smith, man, you can afford to be a little bit selective uh, and, and figure out where the best shot is. And and I'd actually be curious. Rivers, I don't think you've written on this recently, and if you have, I apologize. But 
Weston and I talked about this a few days ago. In terms of the attraction of the open coaching jobs, where do you put the Texans? Yeah, I didn't write about that at all because I think it's kind of like a, a bullshit radio construct. Well, here <laughs> we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are in bullshit radio. Unfortunately, bullshit writing about it would have been very beneficial in this moment. <laughs> I, I, look, we already cut Weston. He had to pick Josh Allen over Teddy Bridgewater. Now I'm cutting you, and you need to tell me how you rank the Texans. How you rank the Texans' job against the other openings? I mean, I'd be higher on them than most of them just because I'm higher on Deshaun. I mean, I think Agreed. I think Agreed. it would be. Probably number two. Behind? Behind um, the Jets because they're getting a Lawrence. You mean the Jags? Yeah, the Jags. Okay, okay. All right. I, I, I can I can appreciate that. I can understand that. Weston thought the Jets' job was better, which is insane to me. Yeah. yeah. At Houston 4, they had Chargers 1, Jags 2, Jets 3, and then Houston 4. I mean, we, the we can debate, are, the, Chargers we can debate really the Chargers' job for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get Justin Herbert. It's good. Yeah, and, and the and the and the and the Chargers have some legitimate talent on defense too. I, I can get that. How you can put the Jets ahead of the Texans? I'm 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 at a loss. Well, I just said because mainly you have cap space. You have a you have Quinn Williams. You can build a defense around. They actually have a pretty good defense. You just don't know who a lot of these guys are because they're like a lot of no names from like Stephen F. Austin things like that. Um, offensively, you just kind of like don't know what they name, are. Name all. one Jets cornerback, Weston. One Jets cornerback? I can name... Oh, Bleshawn Austin. Damn it. <laughs> I almost got him. You almost got is, him? I is, was like, Marcus is, May, Marcus May. No, he's a, he's their safety. He's their safety. Is Buster, is Buster Screen or Scrine still on the Jets roster? No, he plays he for don't. Chicago. Yeah, yeah there you go. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, but also, like with the number two pick, you can probably trade Darnold for something, or you can trade down and try give Darnold another year, um, and just like pray. I guess I think it's not impossible, but it's improbable you can get anything like good out of Darnold being a good quarterback. At least you're not. And like I think Fields is really good too. And so with that, and like having a rookie contract, which is like the ultimate cheat code of team building, I think for that reason alone, like with those resources and options available, like you can become like a. Like if you hit your things right, you become like a contender in you know, two or three years. Whereas Houston, like maybe two years from now, you're a consistent playoff contender again, and then you're kind of just like trying. There's just so many hurdles um, involved with the Houston job currently. I think that's totally right, but I would much rather have Deshaun Watson than any yeah. of these other alternatives. Uh, Deshaun yeah. Watson at this point's a proven a proven entity. You know what you're getting, uh, and because of that, again, if not for him, this roster. I think it's probably the worst in the NFL. Maybe there's a couple others that are in contention, but he changes the entire dynamic of the organization. And having a chance to coach him in his prime, I think has to make the Texans' job no worse, no worse than number three, and I think it's probably number two. Maybe number one, if you want to just say he's the only really proven entity out of, these, out of the Chargers, uh, Jaguars, and Texans. And kind of as much as, you know, I give them – Crap at Reliant, or sorry, NRG now. It's much like I'm crap about the the the, the win loss record in close games, because I think that stat is utterly flawed and kind of doesn't appreciate the fact that Jake Luton drove down the field on them. <laughs> um, Luton, Luton, Luton's futon. Luton, yeah, you called him Lut- Luton the futon. I think it's pronounced Luton. I like Luton more. Rhymes he's, with he's, Luton. He, he, he was looting the Texan secondary. I know that much. Oh, look at that. 
<laughs> need to get a rim but, shot but, sound effect, Weston. But 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 no, I, I think I think uh, as much as that is a crap stat, like you do have to look at the fact that this roster last year was terrible, and they were in a lot of close games that they lost. And if you can get the the roster up to average, if that is your goal, just to be average, have an average defense in 2021, I think 10 wins is pretty doable for Sean Watson. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. But even like the roster wasn't good two years ago. They just won the close games. They didn't win last year as well, too. I don't know. Like, I just think like the, they're kind of in between the two. They're not a 10-win team. They're not a 4-win team. They're probably like closer, like somewhere between seven and nine, um, as they currently are, just because of how good Watson is. And like, yeah, like maybe if you go like eight and two, one score games again, you end up in a playoff team and you're you're, you're ten and six at that moment going forward. But just the division's tough, um, and there's just I mean it's just so hard. Like there's just like the defense is so bad that I don't think they can even. I think twentieth is probably the ceiling this defense could be next year based on how it's currently constructed. And, you know, the only hope is that a different a different defensive staff, a different head coach yeah, who actually teaches and thing. coaches players can, like, turn Lion Johnson Jr. into, like, a cover three quarterback, you know? And that's such maybe, a, a maybe, faraway maybe thought. Maybe not putting Lonnie Johnson at safety in week two for no <laughs> goddamn reason. While you're playing cover three <laughs> all year long. Bit. Maybe... Maybe not asking Ross Blacklock to be pretend that he is DJ Reader might have worked better than asking him to pretend that he is DJ Reader. Who knows? <laughs> I'm not an expert on these things. However, <laughs> I do have some opinions here. <laughs> well, Rivers Rivers McCown for Joe Brady's defensive coordinator. Sign me up. We can make I, it I decline work. the position. I will give it to somebody who can actually coach. But the, I the, appreciate the press con- the press conferences would be better. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, that's that's for sure. <laughs> and as long as you don't drop Jacob Martin in his short hook zones over and over again, you'll be doing a better job next year than Anthony Weaver did this year too. Well, well, I mean, I've got to play Whitney Merciless, guys. He's tough. He's smart. <laughs> he's 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 extremely competent at his job, and he's gifted uh, in a lot of different areas. You know, at, speaking of Merciless and sort of some of these other guys, you know, Eric Murray. Um, Merciless, I guess to a lesser degree, a guy like uh, like Bradley Roby, I think he's the least likely of those. But it may well be a situation that that uh, Nick Casario in 2021 decides, you know what, we're going to cut these dudes, we're going to eat the money now, and we're going to set things up for 2022. We're going to try to be as competitive as we can in 2021, but we're going to go ahead and and eat the sandwich, so to speak, uh, this next year just to just to sort of churn the roster and get rid of some of these horrible contracts. I think you have to. Like, I would, I would just pay the dead money cap hit on Merciless. I pay on Eric Murray. Um, I wouldn't keep these guys on the roster. I really don't see the point in it at all. Like, I mean, like, I don't think Greenhart's like special after last year, but he can at least like hold the edge and like bounce off and so, make a so, tackle here and there. And even if he so can't hold the edge, he's he's cheap. Yeah, there's the idea guys, that guys. maybe he could uh, two years from now. You know, right? You you can't cut Whitney Merciless because. That will add eight million to the cap this year, and you're already over the cap. <laughs> That's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> well, there, in uh, Matt uh, Weston's uh, world, the renegade rebels, the Houston Texans, we're going to be hundred million over the cap, and we don't care. <laughs> Weston Weston already would have traded Deshaun to the Bills for no, Josh no, Allen no, and no, given no. them given them fir- given them first round draft picks till 2031. 
no, so it doesn't really matter. Yet. We haven't done. We haven't gone that far yet. But I can still like love Josh Allen just in a different way. You know, we don't. It doesn't have to play in Houston a, for me not to enjoy Josh. What Allen. about what about Teddy? What about Teddy Bridgewater? He's much more affordable than well, Deshaun, right? I mean, if they drafted Bridgewater in fourteen, the Texans would have won a Super Bowl in like seventeen. You know. I agree. I understand. He never would have. He never would have had the knee injury, and and we wouldn't even sure. be having this conversation. Bill O'Brien would have won at least one, maybe two Super Bowls, and probably have a lifetime extension. Yeah, I think so. If you cut Whitney Merciless, um, he adds three million dollars to the cap this year. Yeah, and so I would I would pay that cap hit, and like the same like Murray, I think you pay two fifty. Um, if you kept Murray, I would do that one as well too. What and what about you know Zach Fulton? I think there's ways to get uh, to get significantly not so much under the cap this year but to really set yourself up for a ton of money in 2022 i mean guys like zach fulton to a lesser degree if they want to get aggressive uh with bradley roby for uh the suspension i think his guaranteed money goes out the door right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i mean depending on if you if you really want to clear the decks and and i think the biggest debt clearing question that you kind of touched on earlier was jj watt uh, what do you? There, there's ways to get really aggressive to set this team up cap wise for 2022 if you're willing to to sort of make some sacrifices in 2021. You let Will Fuller walk. There's a huge number that goes. I mean, I, I'm really curious to see what Casario does happening. because <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't let Fuller look, walk either. I wouldn't either. I think you tag Fuller, but I'm saying there's ways if you decide that this team is nowhere close to competing and you want to set them up for the following season. I think there's a lot of ways you can clear dollars. It's going to hurt in the short term. It's going to hurt in 2021, but you can really clear the deck for 2022 if you're willing to to suffer that short-term pain. Mm-hmm. Can I have a hot take interlude? Yeah, let's hear Please. it. Please. I don't think the Texans should trade J.J. Watt. Okay. Well, so why would J.J. Watt just take. play him next year? If they are forced to, of course. I mean, you know, if he says he wants out, you got to honor it. I get it. But, um, you know, he played – still playing at an extremely high level, way higher than anybody else on this defense by far. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson does have a lot of, you know, in, in the press conferences, a lot of affection for him. And, and I think you need to be stacking as many people on this roster that are close to Deshaun as possible, just given the last uh, couple of weeks events. Um, it's 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 not a hot take to say to keep him. Let me ask you this: Let's say that you would you be willing to approach him and say, "Hey, we want you to end your career in Houston. Let's add two more years onto your deal." Sure. Okay. Okay. What it what it Rivers? What if a team offered Houston a second round pick? Would you make that trade for what? I mean, I think that's good value, but I wouldn't make it. No. Okay. Rivers, are you becoming that... senti- are you becoming sentimental in your old age? <laughs> Well, this, is well, not I mean, the river, this is not the river. I, you know, I think you're just drunk on Francisco Lindor right now. Oh. Life's going a little bit. <laughs> life's going a little bit too good for you. So now you're yeah, getting sentimental. The, the Rivers McCown that I know and love would have said, there is no way that I am signing JJ Watt to an extension at his age. And if there's a way that I can get value for him right now, he's out the door. I don't think there's that much value for him. That's the problem. If, if we're talking fair. about, if we're talking about trading, you know, 28-year-old in prime, never injured J.J. Watt for, like, three first-round picks, then sure, yeah, I would be that sentimental about that. But, I mean, if you're getting a second-round pick, you know, you have to figure it's probably going to be a late one because it's a contender because you want J.J. to go to a contender because, you know, that's kind of what the narrative is going to be. 
are you going to find a starting cornerback, a, a top-tier edge rusher at the bottom of the second round? Very likely. Probably not. Probably Almost not. surely not. Do you, th- do you think J.J. Watt is still a top-tier edge rusher? I think J.J. Watt was in the – I'm trying to think of how, how far up he is. I think he's probably in the top 20 edge rushers in the NFL. Weston, what do you say? You watch film like nobody else. I think it'd be fair for the edge rushing. I mean, he didn't really play against the run at all, but I think if you kept water around, be like, look, you're not playing first and 10. You're only playing pass rushing situations, and uh, we'll, and like that's the only way that you're going to be used. We're going to use you like how the Falcons used Dwight Freeney like in his twilight years where he only plays pass rushing situations. You can kind of go from there with him, and uh, that'd be the only way. But I would train for a second-round pick, though. I think with the cap hit where this team is at and the fact they just need some cost-effective um, uh contracts to build around Watson whenever him and Tensel make you know 65 million dollars next year and like 72 million dollars a year after that like that's it's just such a hard thing to do um to that extent so like I think you get second you'd have to if you get third you know I don't know I had well, to, I had well, let, well, let me turn let me turn this on you guys let me turn this on you guys would you trade Laramie Tunsil for a first round pick you can't next year though you have to do it in the year after, but the year after, I was for sure. Why can't you? Because you have to pay like $24 million in dead cap money. You have to, you, have, you lose, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to look at this up right now, but keep talking. Uh, Tim, would you do that? Would I trade Laramie Tunsil for a first round pick right now? You, you would, you would gain uh, money on your cap if you traded him. What are we talking when we're talking about a first round pick? Who am I trading him to? Are we talking about a top ten pick? Are we talking about a top twenty five pick? What are we talking about? Let's say let's say you're getting somewhere between ten and twenty. I would have a really really hard time thinking about that, um, and I think Laramie Tunsil is a very very good player. Uh, I also, frankly, at this point, I would probably call Deshaun and go, "What do you think? I don't want to piss you off anymore." <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, do you do you want me to do this, Deshaun? If not, I'm not doing it. That's but absolutely you, fair. Because because again, it comes down to what do you want? Because we've we've done a tremendous job alienating you over the course of the last few weeks. I don't want to do that anymore. What we have do you think? built a wall around built a Deshaun wall. Oh. And Larry made Tensel is a very big piece of that wall. <laughs> he's he's a, is is he a top five left tackle? Pass blocking, he is. Probably. Run blocking, Probably. he isn't. I, and and I, I think that's fair. I think that it's really hard to get a dude like Laramie Tunsil. Even in the first round, it's hard to get that dude. I think part of the reason that we're even talking about this is because of the horrible contract he got based on negotiating against no one. Uh, if, he was making, if he was making $5 million less a year. Firing his agent. To, to, yes, get back. To, to get yeah, to not have to pay a commission. Uh, I think I think if he was making you know Lane Johnson money, all of a sudden it's it's you know ah, no we're good. But because he took advantage of and and again kudos to him Absolutely. for taking advantage Absolutely. of Bill O'Brien, uh, which is, legend. It's the American dream. Yeah, it is. It is. Even Jackie Jack Easterby's the American dream. Like I hate what Jack Easterby's done to this football team, but you know good for Jack Easterby. It's the American dream. Um, but Tunsil, if you traded him, you'd pay, you'd lose $6.5 million to cap. But yeah, I'd trade for a first round pick for $6.5 million. I thought it was like 12 or something, but I would do 6.5. Would yeah. you bring back Julian Davenport? Uh, I mean, he's going to be a free agent this year. I, I would bring him in for a, uh, a camp battle, make sure he, he lost a little weight. His belly was looking kind of big on the sideline this year in Miami. Maybe it was just the Aquamarine that did it to him, but he looked a little tubby this year. 
I think I think I erred there in putting that question in the group. I know Weston, you would bring him back. <laughs> Rivers, for, sure, for a camp would battle. you? Would you? Would you? Would you for a camp battle? You'd sign him to a six-year, hundred million dollar deal. <laughs> uh, my my question: You'd give him JJ Watts deal. My question: Rivers. Who, I mean, if you if you trade Laramie Tunsil, who's your left tackle? Whoever you take in the first round. Uh, I mean, probably it's probably Titus. Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I I think or it's, Robert. Uh, I, I don't. Robert's a free agent. I think. I think. He yeah, might he's a free he agent. Is. He's on a like, one-year deal. That's right. Give him yeah. one-year five. Put him at right tackle. Put Tyus at left, and then uh, pray for Mac. Pray for Max Sharping lifting some weights this summer, this winter, and summer, and maybe you have a shot at something. I can't believe we're rationalizing the Laramie Tunsil trade a year after we traded the entire freaking house to acquire him. Or I say we. Uh, Bill I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't O'Brien. do nothing like that. Bill, yeah, no, I understand. Neither of you guys would have done it. Uh, Bill O'Brien traded the entire freaking house to, to, to acquire him. And the, and the sad part is it's not a crazy discussion to have because of the, the problems that the Texans have with their roster. I tip Mike Meltzer for that one. The first round pick thing anyway. Yeah. Uh, what would have what would have been fair value for Laramie Tunsil back then? Maybe a first and a second. The second first I think that's is what, the answer. I think this, the second think first the is answer. insane. I think that's the answer. I think a one and a two. You're paying a premium for it, but it's it's the two ones and a two uh, are just horrific. Well, you know just, that that second one was for for Kenny Stills. Okay. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's a good point. Who, who the Dolphins were going to cut. Right. The Dolphins were going to cut. And I like Kenny Stills, but the Dolphins were going to cut him. I, 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 mean, I, think, I, I think Kenny Stills got a wrong, wrong, got a wrong deal here. Agreed. 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 I, I was blown away that he was a free agent for as long as he was. I guess he's on Buffalo's practice squad now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was blown away that somebody didn't sign him as soon as he was cut. I thought for sure he'd be – you remember all the chatter before the trade deadline about maybe the Packers would be interested or somebody else. I was blown away that there wasn't uh, – that somebody didn't sign him once they could have signed him for the minimum for the rest of the year. Well, I know why that nobody traded him for him because the GM was hiding under a pile of coats in the closet. <laughs> yes, that's totally fair. Totally <laughs> fair. But once he was cut, once, once he was off the team and it wouldn't right. cost you any assets, I was surprised that a contender didn't sign him before the – the Bills signed him to their practice squad. Very gifted in a lot of areas. Have a lot of a lot of mutual respect between me uh, and Jack. Oh uh, God, I just uh, I, I I can't believe we're here. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> believe we're here. Tim, Tim, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Yes. How's, how, yes. how's your golf game going, buddy? Uh, I didn't understand uh, that at all. Like I was like <laughs> listening to us, like where are we at now? Are we in a different universe all of a sudden? It was it was so it was so uncomfortable watching Cal McNair try to relate to people to, that he clearly to humans. <laughs> uh, to, to humans to people to people that at best he has a casual relationship with. That's the kind of stuff like if you meet somebody out and about and you have sort of an awkward ten second conversation and you move on. Unfortunately, this was in front of a this was a press conference and he's right. talking about that. It's just. I just again, I feel uh, part of me feels bad for Cal because it's just it's it is such a horror show Absolutely. to watch him attempt to because uh, today's an ex, today's an exciting day. He said that today's an exciting day for the Houston Texans. Remember when he said that we should be excited that they traded DeAndre Hopkins because we were excited. 
excited. We're fans of, fans of a team. That's right. Fans of a team that's going to make bold, like like man, it's a Taco how, Bell. How the you... Texans are a Taco Bell with bold moves. You know, bold flavors uh-huh. and bold moves. Doritos Locos Texans. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's it's just insane to me. Like, how could you say that after? How would you have so little self awareness that well, you, you wouldn't know. realize that you said that before? during the most disastrous trade in a franchise that has a history of disastrous trades that you would decide that's what I'm going to trot back out again during a press conference for a move that I know has been roundly panned. One cool thing about being a Texans fan for as long as I have, Tim, is I remember when we would sit around and talk about how bad the Philip Buchanan trade was. P-Buck, showtime. (laughs) Now, now I don't even remember if it was a second round pick or a third round pick that they gave up for him. I don't know. It was a second. I don't know if you guys remember. It was a second. I don't know if I've told you guys this story, but I went up to the uh, to, to Dallas to watch the Texans Cowboys game years and years ago when Buchanan was on the uh, Buchanan was on the roster. And as I was flying home that night, uh, I was in the the food court of Love Field, and Philip Buchanan uh, was at the Burger King, uh, waiting in <laughs> wait, waiting at the Burger King in the food court. And I thought to myself, is he here because they cut him after the way he just played? <laughs> and I was so, I was so, I remember sort of having this, this, this competing uh, feeling of shame and fury, which I guess probably just sort of encapsulates, te- encapsulates Texans fandom, where it was just, what is this guy doing here? Why is he ordering a, wa-? he's in a full suit, ordering a Whopper with cheese at the food court at Love Field. Did he just get cut? because of how poorly he played against the Cowboys. <laughs> in, he didn't. In, in fairness to uh, Cal, to get back on the subject, you know, that when when Nick Casario read all those words off that sheet, it was very touching, very moving. Brought a tear to my eye. Uh, <laughs> uh, just just uh, the, the thing about it is, okay, even if you get rid of... If you get it, if you if you just leave Easterby alone, like he's not in this at all anymore. Like just the amount of phony that was packed in to those, I want to say, twenty minutes of him talking was incredible. Well, Unmatched. So what what's your read on Cal Rivers? Is it like he's just he doesn't care? Is he in over his head? He's incompetent. Like what are your what are your thoughts on him as an owner? And like what's your read on him? I don't think he has any interest in the Houston Texans. And what's his interest then? Just eat, like eating in the food court over there, the snack bar? <laughs> At Burger King, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah the Burger, the Burger, Burger King. King in the food court of Love Field. That's yeah, where he wants that's to be. That's where champions eat. Because like, like my read on him is like, I just kind of get the, the feeling that like he cares, like he wants to have like a winning team that has like entertaining moments and great moments like the Bills game last year he alluded to, but he just he has cares. the wrong people around him and he just doesn't know anything at all about the game of football. And so he's just he like, he just has in, these four time so, people surrounding him. He cares in so much that it makes him look good. Okay. He doesn't care beyond that though, right? I don't know. I, I think I don't know. I think I, I, I kinda side more with Weston on this. Okay. I think he cares. I think he wants the team to do well. I think he wants to do. I think he wants to be a good owner. I think he has so little clue to uh, about how to go about doing that 
that he's very susceptible to people that have strong personalities telling him that they are his friend and that they know how to do this the right way. I think that's why Bill, I think that's why Rick Smith uh, lasted as long as he did. I think that's why uh, Bill O'Brien was able to have the pull that he did. I think that's why Jack Easterby has taken on the role that he has. I think he's just very, very easily influenced because he wants the Texans to be good. He has no idea how to make that happen, and he's relying on the wrong people to help him achieve that goal. Jesus played the best game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he, uh, battled. he battled for six hours. Where six did you hours. find those? Where did you find those clips, Rivers? YouTube. It's like True Detective, uh, Rivers. You're like True Detective season one with those Jackie Street clips. Listen, um, I've had a tough week, and <laughs> I I put a lot of self pain on myself. So can I? I really just don't want to go into what it was like finding them <laughs> so much as just know that I put them out there for you in the hopes that it would reach somebody with power and that person would think, man, it sure would be nice if this idiot wasn't running the Texans. Anybody who's listening to this that doesn't know what we're talking about, you should go to Rivers' Twitter feed. He has clips of Jack Easterby defe- uh, delivering sermons um, in which it's a combination – I mean. I- it, it feels bad watching them, not just because of, of the distaste you might have for Easterby and his role with the Texans, but it's the it's it's like a combination of a bad stand-up comedian and someone who you've met at a party or just know socially who tries way too hard, who you just can't get away from quickly enough. And that's that's the essence of Jack Easterby uh, preaching, so to speak. I mean. Awkward pauses where there are no laughs, where he's clearly waiting for laughs. He actually says awkward pause at one point uh, to try to get to try to get a laugh, and none of them are coming. It's it's horrific. And I think at Rivers, I think you said something the effect of how can Cal McNair be under this guy's spell? Right. Like if if you walked into a comedy club and Jack Easterby was up there doing his shtick. You would drink your two drinks as quick as you could, and you would walk right out the door. It is, and actually, I take that back. You may not even drink the two drinks. You may just say, "Hit me for the minimum. I gotta go. I'm not gonna listen to this anymore." No, no more course lights for me. This is over. No, no, and, and this isn't. This in no way is any sort of indictment or or insult of anyone's religious religiosity, religiosity, no. any of that kind of stuff. It, it is. Don't care about just, that at all. No, the manner in which he delivers this stuff. It's clearly his attempt to try to be relatable and cool, and it just comes across as so, so cringe-inducing. It's demonic. It's, it's, you, you, you just wouldn't want to be in the same room as this guy, and yet this is the dude who's allegedly the puppeteer of Cal McNair. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, well, like, Cal kind of reminds me of, like, the kid who has, like, a swimming pool at the elementary school, but nobody likes the kid, but he has yep. a pool. Yep. And so you just go to his house and hang out at the pool, but you don't need to be around him at all. And so, like, Jack's just, like, hanging out at the pool, just making $6 million, $3 million a year, you know. I'll go ahead and take it a step further. You guys remember the episode in The Simpsons where That's Bart what got I was the thinking pool of. And, then, and then Martin got the pool? Yeah. Cal McNair is Martin. That's what it is. More friends, more over here. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what it is, and that's Cal McNair. That's a great analogy, Weston. Uh, it's it is 
it is so sad that that is who is running our team. So, Tim, what was your favorite moment or your favorite McNair moment from the press conference today? This is a question from at Dizzy A9. And he said, the ice bucket challenge part, how is the golf game? Brick by brick, don't forget the mortar. The fake tear wipe away. Distraught at John McClain talking all over him. The horribly scripted teleprompter reading. Or uh, I might also throw in there the one possession record conversation. Without a doubt, for me, it was the ice bucket challenge. Without a doubt. <laughs> Brian, Smith, Brian Smith asked him a question that, that was difficult and sort of meandering, but the idea was essentially people are pissed off, Cal. People don't think that you know what you're doing or that the organization knows what they're doing. And Cal responds by thanking him for the question and reminiscing about how Brian Smith and he are buddies because Brian Smith uh, uh, tagged him to do the ice bucket challenge however many years ago. I think it was such. I think, we could, I think we could get a job with the Texans. Like, really, we just need to like, send Cal an email. Be like, I think you're doing a great job. Like, here's my resume. <laughs> Uh, and then just tag him in some of the social media and like we can get an analytics department or something, you know? It I think it's just... too late for me. Maybe you guys can do it. Um, <laughs> I think I've burned too many bridges. Yeah, maybe so. You went too deep down the rabbit well, hole. You did. You did. You were, you were too credible. You were too real. Uh, I, I, I am – it was so – again, I, it, that press conference today, every time Cal <laughs> talked, it was cringe-inducing. Every time Jack Easterby talks, it's cringe-inducing. Nick Casario gave anymore. He just hides. That's right. That's right. Nick Casario, I think, gave what we would probably call a pretty normal press conference for a new general manager. Uh, he tried to jump on a few grenades for for Cal uh, to kind of add in to, to take the to take the uh, attention off Cal. But every time Cal spoke, not only did he not answer the question, but it was so awkward watching him try to relate to the people that were asking it whether it was the golf game or the ice bucket challenge. And then he would just go off on these non sequiturs. We're going to build a wall. <laughs> I mean, putting aside the political stuff, like, man, this ain't college. You don't build a wall around the state to say, we're keeping our recruits in. It made no sense on a number of levels. And yet I don't understand coming back to the idea of maybe they don't have a PR person that's there. Maybe Cal's not listening to a PR person. But there is zero. There was nothing good that came out of Cal McNair talking today. No, nothing. Not, he should not have given slightest. an in, introductory remarks, and then he should have gotten up and walked out of the room to where they couldn't ask him any questions. Yeah, uh, earnestly, you know, actually, what kind of stood out to me about that press conference and about what Casario said, not Cal, was, um, you know, Casario would, would be asked these questions that were kind of, you know, what do you think about this? defense um what are you gonna do about these draft picks and he kind of meandered a lot and didn't have a whole lot of detail and it kind of just stood out to me as i was watching that again before we started like wow this guy really was just like chilling on monday didn't have a you know a thought in his mind i'm gonna be the texas next gm doing a press <laughs> conference on friday night on friday afternoon and and you know then he's just there then, then jack easterby just like shows up at his door Here's thirty million. Um, get over your reservations. <laughs> I, I see, and I thought most. I thought most of it was him just sort of giving the typical non-answer to a lot of stuff. Like I'm not gonna. If you're him, I'm not gonna talk to you about Deshaun Watson or JJ Watt until I have a chance to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I right. think that probably could have been handled better. 
I think he certainly could have handled the Easterby stuff better, the questions that were asked of him. Uh, yeah. I don't expect him to publicly fire Easterby at his introductory press conference, but I think there's a way that you can be a lot more noncommittal and give people like us the shadow of a hope that maybe Easterby's not going to be as involved without saying, talking about your special relationship with him and how he's going to be involved in the process, all those sorts of things. I think he misplayed that, but I think generally speaking, most of the questions that, that he, you know, he gave non-answers because that's what they do. Uh, but I, I think the biggest issue was him sort of doing nothing to allay the concerns of people who thought that Chester B was still going to be involved. And you got to read the room better than that. Yeah, when I went back and listened to it before we started the night too, like I have no idea what he said at all. Like I was just, it was just a lot of words that you know yeah. just just sounded nice, like sound like business school jargon. And I was like, is this 2012 again? Like I'm in school or something? Listen to. Uh, like a YouTube video or whatever, a professor's just putting on for no reason. And I, I really didn't gain anything at all about what he was saying uh, for like what this team is going to be like moving forward. And every single Eastby question was just completely swept under the rug too in a weird way. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't feel any better about Casario being the general manager after today's press conference, but maybe that's kind of the point of it to begin with, you know. Casario does that a lot, actually. Um, that's something that, you know, having having made that thread, having looked at a lot of his transcripts on on the Patriots website having dug up that uh, slow conference thing like I've seen a lot of it now and there are definitely you know direct questions get him very guarded I think you need to kind of ease him into more hypothetical land to get him to talk and I don't think anybody really did a great job of that today but then again given how angry everybody is like I, I'm not, I'm not mad at all about how that went. I think it was great that we heard actual questions asked to people yeah. in power for the first time in a long time. Yeah, for sure. And that's been kind of frustrating. Thing, like even go back to the Hopkins trade, that all these things have occurred. It's like, and you see stuff on Twitter. It's like you have the job to ask this stuff. Like I don't know why, like who you're like, you know, praying to this audience that you have on the internet. Like you can actually get answers to these questions. Like these don't need to be rhetorical in any sense or fashion. And uh, I love Brand Scott for a- for asking that question about Easterby to Cal as well too. Um, that was that was really beautiful. I'm very glad that he did that as well. I was I was really impressed with with the uh, the questions that were asked and sort of the tone and tenor of them. I don't think that you know a lot of times the Houston media I think is accused of being soft. I don't think they were today. They didn't get any real answers, but you can't control that part of it, especially when they're not going to let you follow up. Uh, I think that they did a, a really good job of asking the hard questions, even if they didn't get the answers that any of us wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the questions were asked, but the answers uh, weren't what we were looking for really very much at all as well, too. Um, so, Rivers, how soon do you think it's going to be for the Texans to hire a head coach? Is this going to be something that could occur you know, in two weeks, three weeks, next week? Do you have any sort of timetable on how quickly they can get a head coach hired? That is a nice adjustment. Uh, my my uh, my take would be when does Deshaun get back from vacation? Yeah. Or when does he pick up his phone? It's probably more about when he gets back from vacation because I would imagine any um, meeting he needs to have with Joe Brady or anyone else is probably I don't know that we'll do it face to face, but certainly a focused Zoom to where they're able to uh, to have a conversation and maybe a couple conversations. I think at this point it almost entirely depends on when Deshaun is ready to have that conversation. Uh, the concern I would have as a Texans fan, assuming Brady is the target, is if the Chargers offer Joe Brady the job, 
does he take that job instead of waiting to talk to Deshaun? Okay. That's because I think that's probably, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that he's necessarily a candidate for the Jags job. It sounds like that's Urban Myers to turn down if he wants it. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get Urban Meyer, I don't know that Joe Brady would be the number two there. My concern would be if if the Chargers offer Joe Brady the job, is he going to take that one instead of waiting to to meet or talk more with the Texans? Yeah, that makes sense. I see what you're saying on that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. My my biggest concern though is I can definitely see Jeremiah being hired as the head coach just because of that strange Aaron <laughs> Wilson article where like nobody knows who Jeremiah is aside he played linebacker for the Patriots. Now all of a sudden he's like rising up head coaching circles and nobody's interviewed him. And it's coming from like a Houston Texans website. And again, kind of goes back to the tea leaves we were talking about um, earlier this week too. Like that's my biggest fear is they get Mayo, they get a New England guy that nobody expected at all. Kind of like how the Joe Judge hiring. Happened, happened the Giants. Like it worked out to some extent. Like They played hard, and after they were down 1-7, they lost a bunch of close games to playoff teams. But um, that's the big concern that I have is they go out and get something like that and just like further solidify themselves as being the Patriots South and this thing they claim that they aren't, that they actually completely are. Man, I, I thought hiring Brian Dable would be an issue from an optics perspective. If you hire Jared Mayo, then you might as well just go ahead and give the middle finger to everybody. Am I here? Because Am I here now? Yeah, you're here. Yes, you're here. Cool. You're back. You're back. Nice of you to join us, Rivers. Uh, but but I, uh, if you're going to hire Jared Mayo, you might as well just tell everyone you don't care what anyone else thinks. You're going to do things your way. And, you know, if you want to cancel your season tickets, not watch, not buy any merchandise, we don't care. Uh, Brian Dable, I think, would, would create a host of problems from an optics perspective. Jared Mayo would be a disaster from an optics perspective. I really think that it's, I think Joe Brady's probably the leader in the clubhouse for a number of reasons. It's just going to come down to whether he, whether the Chargers decide he's the best dude for them and make him an offer and whether Deshaun Watson is willing to talk to him. Okay. So Rivers, you, you, you were originally asked the question, but then you decided to click out. Yeah, I did. Uh, it's because I hate you guys. Is, is planet is planet needed? I mean, need to go back home real fast. Uh, no, I understand. Well, they they don't get they don't get real good internet service out there, so it's not his fault. <laughs> uh, Rivers, when do you think Houston's gonna hire a head coach? Like, do you think it's gonna happen in the next two weeks, three weeks? Uh, do you have any sort of timetable in mind when this may occur? Yeah, like like Tim was saying before, I, I ducked out of here. Um, I do think it's going to depend on Deshaun Watson's vacation. Um, I do think it's it's. It's very important that they baby step this now because you can't piss him off any more than he already is, or else things will get even more terrible. What was that graphic that was on? Like, uh, I think it's I think it's one of the first couple of Romeo games, maybe the Packers game, where they like put a graphic up and it was like, if don't play better, things will get bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about that right now. Go Texans. Um... <laughs> So I have an existential question to ask us before we end tonight's show. I think we kind of covered everything from, you know, what's going on with Watson with the Casario hiring to the press conference today. And so this question is from at Arthur underscore Fox H. And Tim, he asked, why us? What did we do? It's just our turn. It's just our turn in the, uh, in the barrel. It's just how it works. It's basically been our turn since 2002. We've <laughs> had, uh, we've had some, some moments of uh, happiness and glee. But really what it comes down to, why us, 
because of the people who own the franchise and to a greater degree for the purpose of the last couple of years, since Bob McNair passed away and Cal took over, how susceptible he's been to strong personalities. That's why we are where we are. Why us as opposed to someone else? You know, I'm not going to get too down about that because as long as Deshaun Watson is a Texan, this team is absolutely mm-hmm. capable of winning a Super Bowl based on nothing else but him. And I'd like to wildly entertaining as compared to what it was in watching Ryan Fitzpatrick play or watching right Ryan Hoyer play or, Ryan or Mallet. watching right on. Ryan Mallet play. <laughs> Right on. DJ Yates play. That's right. There is no ceiling with the as long as Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. There is no ceiling. Things can and have been a whole lot worse than they are. I think things are really rocky right now, but I'm optimistic that things can get back on the right track if the Texans hire the right head coach. If Nick Casario is who objectively he should be, and again if. Jack Easterby is at some point shown the door. I think, you know, I I was talking to a buddy about this today. I I don't think that Nick Casario is going to fire or push for Jack Easterby to be gone. If that's going to happen right now, it's going to have to be Deshaun doing that. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if, say, in a year from now, if the Texans are better and it's not quite as much of a disaster as it is right now, if we didn't hear that Jack Easterby had you know resigned or went somewhere else or decided to pursue something else, and he sort of got a soft landing or a soft push out the door when things weren't as hot as they are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverski, do you see Jack Easterby being fired before the season at all? I think that's going to be pretty interesting because I definitely think there's going to be a period where Easterby, uh, where Casario discovers what everybody thinks of Easterby and it's going to be, you know, one-on-one conversations. It's going to be, you know, kind of, kind of in, in hushed tones. And I think once he gets all that data, he's going to have real decision to make. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think that Cal has protected uh, his boy. Well, and I think that, uh, I think that, What's the quote? Daddy. I, I think Dad, I think Daddy, is, Daddy loves Daddy's you. Proud. Daddy loves you. Uh, no, I had it here. I closed it. But I'm going to name uh, Daddy loves you lots is what it is. Daddy loves you lots. The most bizarre think, sentence I've ever heard in my entire life. So so I actually ducked out of that presser for like a second because I, I was catching up on clipping something and I went back to the start and just out of nowhere, Daddy loves you lots. I was like, what have I missed here? <laughs> Yeah, that made my skin crawl. And like, I don't know. I It was just such a grotesque, just string of words, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, pe- people say stupid stuff to their kids. I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Yeah, um, but in front of like thousands of people, though. Like, keep that, you know, keep that in your bed sheets, you know. <laughs> First off, not sharing bed sheets with my kids. Second off... <laughs> I, I guess Dad doesn't off. love him lots then. <laughs> no, not enough. I guess not according to the Westons. Not according to the Matt Weston standard. I guess not. Uh, regardless, uh, what I what I would say is, uh, you know, it was it was certainly a little bit creepy, but I think it may have just been his way of saying, hey, you know, his kids are going to be watching, so he wanted to let them know that he was thinking about him. I wouldn't have done the Daddy loves you lots. I probably would have said, I love you. I love you uh, filling the names of your kids, but 
Uh, regardless, the bigger issue is, is, as Rivers said, what does Casario do with Easterby? Because I think purely by virtue of what it cost to get Easterby or to get uh, Casario here, both by dollars and capital, so to speak, or, or uh, goodwill, Easterby, Easterby is certainly in a inferior spot to Casario in terms of the future of the franchise. It's going to be on Casario to decide what, what happens with Easterby at this point. Because I think we've seen Cal's not going to fire him without a push from within. And Easterby won the battle with O'Brien and had the, had the top dog spot for a while, but it wasn't really ever practical for him to be the long-term GM. I know that was something that a lot of us were worried about. But I think even Cal understood you needed to have a football guy in there, and, and that ain't Jack Easterby. The bigger issue is going to be somebody whether Easterby— press conferences. Right. That, somebody would show up at press conferences and answer phone calls and answer questions. Uh, but I think, I think having um, Casario there to sort of take a look around, decide what works and what doesn't, I'm with Rivers. I think it's entirely possible that after he talks and talks to people and gets the lay of the land that he says, hey, Jack, I love you, but this isn't good for the organization. We got to figure out a way to to clean this up. And I mean, if he's if, if Easterby's got a guaranteed contract for three million a year and at six years, it's been, you know, two years, he, he's going to be OK. And he'll certainly land on his feet somewhere else. There's enough people that believe and like believe in him and like him that it's hard to imagine that he couldn't land somewhere else if he wanted to. It's just going to come down to Casario being the one to take the step because McNair won't do it. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think I think Jack Easterby would be an amazing SEC head coach just with the rhetoric, with with, <laughs> uh, with, with uh, Jesus playing the best game ever. I think that would be <laughs> I, I would sign up for that. Which, but not which, but not uh, an actual program that wanted to win things. Which college? It would need no, to be no. like a. Which we're talking about our SEC program. We're talking about Arkansas. Let's be let's be clear. Okay. We're talking about Arkansas. Fair right. enough. It, Matt Matt Campbell would appreciate that. Huge Arkansas fan <laughs> would appreciate the notion of Jack Easterby being the head coach of his beloved school. Uh, the last thing I saw like in that forkle sense was last year and the previous years in the Texans backdrop they had BMW sign. Now they have Ford Houston area motor dealers in the backdrop of it. And uh, I think that's a very good representation of where Houston's come from from two years ago since the Tunsil trade, the Clowney trade, the Hopkins trade. So where they're at today. Hey, you, don't, you don't have Matt Schaub and David Carr to hawk BMWs anymore. No, you so don't. It's, natural that it's, it's natural that you would make the switch to a more workmanlike automobile. Oh, no, that's tough. Oh, yeah. That's tough, Momentum. smart, and dependable, Momentum. though. Momentum. That's right. No, the, the, Ford, the Ford is tough, smart, and dependable. It's too, the BMW's too fancy. It's not blue-collar enough. Like uh, Randy Cobb's we, dad was, and I think we learned today that that Cal McNair is very much a blue collar guy. <laughs> he's a working class dude. It's a working class dude, and so he's gonna. You know, it makes sense. Ford Ford's a better fit than BMW. I bet Cal has the softest hands in America. <laughs> I would love to I mean, hold his hands. Well, do you think he wore gloves during the ice bucket challenge? For sure, you can't get those hands Absolutely. wet. There's no pruning <laughs> on those enough. things. Fair enough. Not just pruning, but just the shock of the cold water. For Although sure. it probably wasn't even cold. It was probably, there probably wasn't even any ice in the bucket. Yeah, it's probably Fiji it was prob- water or something. It, it probably, probably uh, lukewarm Fiji water yeah. would be my guess. My guess There's, my guess is that he doesn't know how water actually works, so it's just some sparkling water. 
okay. <laughs> he just he just like opened a whole like bushel of cans and it's like we're gonna do the ice bucket challenge. Let's go. He poured a Topo Chico into a bucket and dumped it on his head. Yes. The concept okay. of being wet is too foreign to him. That's how unhuman he is. <laughs> uh, well, before we end tonight's show, Rivers, do you have anything else you want to add, or do you have any big predictions for a Super Wild Card Weekend that's happening tomorrow? I don't have any predictions about that at all, no. Um, I, will, I, will, I will mention, though, that RiversMcCown.com has a hot recap of today's press events and that I'm going to put up a post uh, sometime next week about Brandon Cooks. Cool. I was going to put out this week, but that got preempted because of all this stupid crap. I'll make sure to, to link in the show notes um, as well. So that concludes this episode of Ballard Radio with Tim and Rivers McCown. There is another bonus portion of the show that uh, I'll also post as well too. And in that section, things get off the rails a little bit, but we do discuss some hardcore Texans analysis like what the Texans should do with Brandon Cooks, um, how their offensive line could possibly look next year, and even the silly like what is Julian Davenport up to at the moment and how I got my Josh Allen jersey. So until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Bobby Radio. Thank you for all your questions as well, too. And be on the lookout for that bonus episode, too. Thank you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.